A reading from the Book of Wisdom. Who can know God's counsel? Or who can conceive what the Lord intends? For the deliberations of mortals are timid, and unsure are our plans. For the corruptible body burdens the soul, and the earthen shelter weighs down the mind that has many concerns. And scarce do we guess the things on earth, and what is within our grasp we, we find with difficulty. But when things are in heaven, who can search them out? Or whoever knew your counsel, except you, except you had given wisdom and sent your Holy Spirit from on high? And thus were the paths of those on earth made straight. Verbum Domini.
A reading from the letter of St. Paul to Philemon. I, Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for Christ Jesus, urge you on behalf of my child Onesimus, whose father I have become in my imprisonment. I am, I am sending him, that is my own heart, back to you. I should have liked to retain him for myself so that he might serve me on your behalf in my imprisonment for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that the good you do might not be forced but voluntary. Perhaps this is why he was away from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a brother. Beloved especially to me, but even more so to you as a man and in the Lord. So if you regard me as a partner, welcome him as you would me. Verbum Domini. Lexios Santi Evangelii Secundum Lucam. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. 
Which of you wishing to construct a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there is enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlookers should laugh at him and say, this one began to build, but did not have the resources to finish. Or what king marching into battle would not first sit down and decide whether with 10,000 troops he can successfully oppose another king advancing upon him with 20,000 troops? And if not, while he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. A couple announcements this evening. We have our uh, televised holy hour for healing and justice. At, so that's at 5 p.m. Uh, to be televised on EWTN. And then next Sunday, there will not be a 7 a.m. Mass it's, or a 10 a.m. Mass. We'll have Mother Dolores' anniversary or her Silver Jubilee at 9 o'clock a.m. So that will be the only Mass. Um, and there'll be um, a reception and parlor visit at later uh, afterwards. So 9 a.m., uh, the bishop will be here. In the heart of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus turns towards Jerusalem. This moment is a radical one, a living out of the root of who he is, as the one who is under constraint, seized all up inside until he undergo his baptism. Our Lord is burning up to light a fire upon the earth to enkindle the love which burns forth from his heart. Surrounding his call to exclusive love of him, allowing no natural tie even to self-preservation to be an obstacle, our Lord speaks of banquets. He indicates that those who are previously excluded from celebrations are to be invited, those in the highways and hedges, the sinners, the lost ones, the forgotten coin. This Jesus wants to give joy to the angels by bringing all to repentance. In the Greek, the word is metanoia, to transform one's mind. But in Hebrew, pana means to turn one's face around. Jesus, in his coming forth from the heart's embrace of the Father, never changed his mind. 
He knew completely what he was about and where his feet would eventually lead him. And he ran with undusty feet towards the culmination of his pouring himself out in love to the very end, to the depths of his passion. Yet there were times when he turned around. Beautifully he did this when the women with the hemorrhages touched the tassel of his cloak and power went forth from him to heal. Surgically, he turned, he about faced upon Peter shortly before a similar call to take up one's cross in the Gospel of Matthew. In both the immersion in fire was to heal. In Deuteronomy 28, Moses directed that when preparing for battle, if any man is afraid or of a fearful heart, let him not go forth to war. Let him go back and return home, lest he make the hearts of his brethren to fear, as he himself is timid and frightened. Our Lord invites us to be with him wherever he may go and wants us to be well informed of the stark realities that he is utterly poor with nowhere to lay his head busy about the one thing necessary. As John Cashin prepared those for consecration, saying, a man cannot fight the Lord's battle with a double heart, for a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And Cashin is quoting from the letter of James, where we are directed to consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of perfect joy, just like St. Francis. In his biblical lottery, St. Francis, the passage about taking up one's cross of those three passages is actually from Matthew. But when in the earlier rule he quotes this and writes about the evangelical councils, he quotes Luke 14, 26, that anyone who would come to him must hate father, mother, wife, and children, brothers, and sisters, even his own life, to be a disciple. And St. Francis, as we know, lived this out. But how can this be since the fourth commandment calls us to love our father and mother and when we are to love even our enemies. Our Lord calls us to renounce all that we possess so that we are able to be a disciple so that we can enter into that saving will which was his own. We are to have the mind of Christ, as in Philippians, who did not grasp on to his divine status, 
who humbled himself in obedience, even unto death, death on a cross. When is the last time that we felt constrained to humble ourselves so much that we would know ourselves to be pure gift, both in the receiving of the gift and in the giving? By dying to all that the self holds dear, not allowing anything whatsoever to be an obstacle to the radical living out of the Father's will in our life, all for the sake of the bridegroom. We receive so much more. And first and foundational among these gifts is his cross. In order to learn from him, our hearts have to be steadfast. In order to gain the strength to persevere, to have the resources to finish, to advance surely with unwavering step on the path to prudent happiness, we have to travel with Jesus. He has to turn on us and address in our heart of hearts with effort spark of his fiery love, our frailty, to challenge our assumptions that we are all really ready, truly prepared, and strong enough even to lay down our frail possessiveness of all that is not gone. Thanks be to, to God that he has tread the way before us that we are truly following in his footsteps unto that place where he will say to us, good thieves, that we hope to be. Today you will be with me in paradise. Although we are to calculate the cost, to consider the onslaught, looking in his eyes, we receive the courage to realize that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond any comparison. So do not be fearful in going to war, that he who battles beside us is the Lord God, carrying his eternal cross of love.